Canine Cast number 51 is brought to you by Home Again. Home Again Pet Recovery Service and ID Microchips at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. In case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 50. We had a listener question about a dog that was constantly chasing light reflections. And also another question about homemade dog toys and toys for dogs that are really tough chewers. Plus, we had a listener story. And it was also Canine Cast number 50, which in and of itself was kind of special. So we enjoyed that a lot. And for this week's Canine Cast, we're going to be talking about an upcoming event in the dog world that's really, really neat. And what that is, is this weekend is the AKC Nationals, and they are actually in Tampa, Florida. I'm I'm so very astounded because they they've actually been held in Tampa for the past for well this year and last year. Last year I couldn't go because I had something else going on that weekend. I don't remember what it was, but I figured okay, no problem. You know, surely I will be able to go next year and well, here we are and um now now I'm about 1300 miles away from it. So darn, I've, I've missed it again. But that's but that's okay. It's still something that's really exciting. And basically what it what it is is there is a confirmation competition, an obedience um, competition, and um, agility competitions. These are all championship competitions. Um, they're invitational. So basically um, the dogs who've met certain requirements competing throughout the year in the America, in the American Kennel Club um, venue, are invited to to this really really big competition, and they com- they basically compete for the best in their in their area. So it's it's really really cool. It's a really huge competition, and there are, are great dog and handler teams there. It's really really very exciting. So um, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because not only is it being held this weekend in Tampa, but the confirmation competition is also going to air this weekend. Um, that's uh, on the 14th and 15th. The premiere is going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Animal Planet, but um, they they are they are going to be showing it at different times um, throughout those days and in the upcoming weeks. The um, the, on- the only ones that they're televising this weekend is the confirmation competition, but I believe the agility championship normally is televised in February, so when I find out the date for that, then I'll be sure to share that with you all. Um, they'd had the date up on the AKC website, but then they had announced that it was changed, so I'm going to hold off until I find out when that actually is going to be so it's so anyway it's really really exciting if you like watching um, dog shows dog sports that kind of thing now confirmation for those of you who may not be familiar with it is probably what most people think of um, when they think of a dog show which is basically um, you know a person kind of walking walking a dog and a judge looking at the dog and the announcers talking about you know different things about the dog and that dog's breed and what you know what makes that particular dog special or what have you. So um, I know I know that I grew up watching these with my parents, so it's always a really, really exciting time for me. And, um, and I, have, I have Walter watch them as well. It's kind of, you know, around this time of year, I'll go ahead and agree to watch the, uh, the Super Bowl with him if he'll agree to watch the Nationals with me. Well, it certainly is educational 
for instance, it's really funny because for the longest time, I thought that confirmation was actually confirmation, C-O-N-F-I-R-M-A-T-I-O-N, <laughs> um, and confirmation, yes, and uh, no, it's conformation. Exactly. And, yeah, and that's that's a big difference. Right. Well, what what that comes from is basically the the whole idea of the competition is to find the dog that best conforms to the breed standard or what that breed is supposed to it be makes like. So much more sense now. Yes, you know? it's it's basically a competition of conforming. So uh, interestingly enough, and the the reason for this type of competition is supposed to be to evaluate breeding stock. Um, what they what they do is the re- that's why they want these dogs to conform is because they want to pick the you know the very very best dogs now that that you know uphold the breed standard to the uh, to the best you know of any dogs out there and um, you know use them for breedings and the idea being so that way the next generation of dogs of that breed is you know as good or better than this generation and you know that continues. Uh, to, in order to help them create, you know, the ideal, you know, dog of that breed. Anyway, that's that's how it's supposed to work. Anyway, there are, um, you know, depending on depending on who you talk to, they'll tell you their different opinions on how well that may actually work. But but that's the idea behind it, um, and it, it is a really neat show. You see some beautiful dogs, and what I especially like about it is you see a lot of dogs that you don't see on an everyday basis. Um, there are a number of dogs that. Well, basically, up until I, you know, I, I was at the dog club and saw other people doing confirmation. Um, there were some dogs I had never seen before in real life. I'd only ever seen on TV. So, uh, so it's it's kind of neat. Plus, you know, you can impress your friends when you see a, a rarer breed on the street and they ask what that is, and you just off the top of your head say, "Oh, well, that's a Borzoi." Or it might give you an idea of what your mixed breed dog might be part of. Yes, yes. And um, and as Walter said, it is it is pretty educational because they'll talk about certain things about the breed. So it's kind of neat to be to be sitting there and they talk about a certain characteristic or personality trait of, you know, a dog of a certain breed and you kind of say, "Oh, you know, that that would kind of make sense. Maybe our dog is, you know, part part whatever that is, part pointer or part uh terrier." So um to so to go on though with what with you know what confirmation is and what actually happens there. Now most people are familiar with or at least people who are familiar with this idea at all are familiar with the AKC or American Kennel Club um because that is the biggest dog reg- registry in the nation um and you know biggest basically um organization that holds these types of events. However, there are other ones that people that people also um will have their dogs uh, registered in and will and these also these ones also hold confirmation competitions. Um, the second biggest is um, the UKC, the United Kennel Club. And what's interesting is um, in other in other countries there are other uh, kennel clubs or registries, and each of these will have their uh, have their own lists of what breeds are eligible. So um, a dog so a dog that maybe is in the the American Kennel Club shows may not be in. Um, shows with another registry or vice versa. So that's just an interesting, interesting little fact um, that you may come across some dogs that are indeed purebred dogs, but are not recognized by the um, by the AKC. 
So um, that's just a little a little side note so that you know. Now, as I mentioned before, um, the the purpose of confirmation is to compare each dog to its own breed standard. Now, the breed standard is a written description of the characteristics that make up the best possible example of a dog of a certain breed. These are are normally put together by um, by breed clubs that you know i mean their 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 specialty you know they specialize in you know basically figuring out you know what the standard should be and the you know and and a lot of times they've worked with the AKC or another registry um either they've they've given the registry the standard and the registry has adopted that standard or they've worked with them to create one so that it's a it's a very very specific detailed written description of what the dog should look like what its temperament should be like, um, and the the idea is that this this standard it will allow the dog to best perform whatever job it was that it was bred for, because that's where, of, of course, all these different breeds came from traditionally, is that they were bred for different things, and because of those different things, took on these different characteristics. Now, in addition to the characteristics that make up the best possible example of the breed, there are also a list of faults or um, characteristics that should, that should not be present in a dog and will disqualify a dog. Now, lots, lots of dogs actually have these faults and the faults can be little things that, you know, just, just people with, you know, pets who don't compete in this would never notice. And it doesn't, you know, change the dog's ability as a pet at all it'll just you know be certain faults and these things can be um certain colors in certain places on the dog's coat or um you know if the if the eyes are a certain color that they're not supposed to be or or, height exactly height and and i mean and these can be very specific you know a dog can be a quarter of an inch too tall or too short um there i mean then the list the list just goes on so um so basically those those are there and any dogs that you know, have any of those of those quote unquote faults um, are not prospects for um, for confirmation competition. So, so basically, the um, what happens is in this in this whole entire competition, they want to find the dog that best conforms to this standard, has these certain characteristics, and the dog that does that the best is the one that wins. And I remember, as I as I mentioned before, I've been watching these since I was little tiny. And, you know, and I'd, I'd see these dogs in these competitions and I'd see these beautiful, beautiful dogs and say, oh, you know, I'll bet that dog will win because it's the prettiest. But, you know, that's because at the time I didn't understand, you know, it wasn't necessarily my version of pretty um, so much as, you know, what the dog is, is supposed to be. And I would be, you know, surprised every year at the dog that won because there was a prettier one standing right next to it. You know, little did I know. But uh, but now that now that I understand how the game is played, it makes a little more sense. So um, so what happens is um, there's there are judges that have expert knowledge of the breeds that they judge, and they have expert knowledge of these breed standards. They basically you know they they know these standards in in and out, and how the dog should you know should look, and how they should move, and how they should feel, and so on and so forth. So these judges basically dis- basically go over the dog and decide how well that particular dog conforms. So if you consider the fact that the you know that these judges will judge you know anywhere anywhere from you know one breed which is impressive enough to know all of the ins and outs and the standards of that one breed that well all the way up to you know every single breed in an entire show then that's very very impressive these people have 
you know, spent spent a lot, a lot of their uh, time in their life getting to know dogs of different types really, really well. So, um, so that's something that's that's pretty neat, and uh, why when you see them bring out the judge at the end, that's going to judge the um, the best in show, which is the you know the one at the very end where they pick the the top dog. Um, why that's that's a very very distinguished um, position there, and it's it's very um, you know it's, it's a really big deal for for a person to be that judge. So um, now with these judges, they they know exactly what they are looking for in these dogs. Like they haven't basically in their mind, they have the standard and what their their vision of the very best example of a dog would be and then they just compare the dog in front of them to that standard so the way that they do that is they have a look at each dog while the dog is standing still they examine the dog that's where they go through and they may um they they may it looks like they pet the dog they feel the dog and feel its muscles um look at the teeth so on and so forth different things that they will check more closely will depend on what the breed is and then what they do is they look at the dog in motion so that they can um, just see how well the dog moves. That's something else that helps to show how well they fit the standard, and you know, and also just that the dog is is healthy and doing well. Now, um, that's the judge. On the flip side, is the person who shows the dog. That person is called the handler. Um, now, the handler might be the dog's owner. It might be a hired professional. Um, just an interesting thing to note: a lot of a lot of the dogs in these shows will have multiple owners and co-owners, and so on and so forth. Um, a lot of times, the the breeders even will retain, you know, a, a contractual ownership of the dog. Um, a lot of times, the the breeders will, you know, show them as well, either as um, as owners or just you know breeders. But um, so regardless of, of whether this person is somebody who, you know, the dog is part of their, you know, family, quote unquote, or um, they are a professional paid um, handler, they're, they're called a handler. Now, um, when the handler has the dog stand for the judge, that is called stacking. And what they do, and again, this is a, a breed specific thing as well as a dog specific thing, they try to position the dog's limbs so that the dog will look most pleasing to the judge, so that it will kind of show off the dog's best qualities and make it look like it most um, most completely conforms. And there's um, there's actually a lot of training that goes into just just the stacking that goes into just getting the dog to stand still and let a judge go over it and um you can just just so you know there are there are local dog shows and we, we'll go into this later but uh it's it's not uncommon if you go to one for somebody to just kind of walk up to you and ask you to go over their dog you know okay and you just kind of go over and you know pet the dog and and feel on the dog and they'll do that all the time to whoever they can to get to get the dogs used to first of all standing and holding that position and also having different people um literally come up and examine them so um so that's the handler stacking the dog or getting it to stand still to kind of show off to the judge then the judge will ask the handler to walk or jog the dog in one of a few different patterns um, and what what's going on there is the judge wants to see the dog move um, and how the the dog's movement is called its gait and even though it even though it looks to you know to us just like the the handlers taking the dog for a walk there's actually a number of patterns and there is very much an art to doing this because the handler wants to to do this at a speed 
that will best show the dog's gait. And they also want to, you know, work with the dog, you know, have the dog close enough to them, not too far forward or backward, so on and so forth. Um, basically, the hand, everything that the handler does is in order to best show off the dog and best show that dog's strongest characteristics. So that so that's an idea of some of the players, and um, of course y'all are I'm sure familiar with the dogs that are there because you know they're kind of the stars of the show. Um, now there are there are um, a number of different dogs that are eligible for these competitions. As I mentioned before, the competition is to evaluate breeding stock, so um, all of the dogs that are there have to. Um, have to be um, intact. They cannot be spayed or neutered because, well, you know, then it would be awfully tough to breed with them if they are judged good breeding stock. Um, and then what happens is normally these the dogs will show during their prime years. Whatever those are depend on the breed of the dog. And actually, it can be even a really, really short time depending on the particular breed. And then afterwards, their um, owners normally retire them and, and spay or neuter them and you know, let them go hang out and be pets after they've, you know, finished their championships and, and so on and so forth. But, um, but each, each of these dogs, uh, fits into a group. Um, there's, you know, some, something like 150 types of dogs that are eligible in the AKC right now. And that number changes. I, I, it's not uncommon for it to change as more dogs are act- are recognized by the AKC as separate breeds and are allowed into the show. And that um, that number is different, as I mentioned before, for each of the different registries and registries in different countries. So, um, so that's just something to keep in mind that, you know, a dog that you, a dog that you may not see this year, you might see next year. And they'll talk about that if, um, if there's an, a new dog that's recognized, but all of the different, breeds that are there are split into groups and the groupings are basically used to um, to put together dogs that are similar or that were bred for a similar function now with the AKC they have seven groups the the sporting group uh, the hounds working group the terrier group toy group a non-sporting group and a herding group um, just to give you an idea of what each of those groups means the sporting dogs were bred um, to hunt game birds, so that include that includes your retrievers, your pointers, your spaniels, your setters. Um, now, whether or not they do this in the land or the water, either way, either way is fine. Um, the point is that they were bred specifically to hunt game birds, and it's amazing the number of dogs that were that were bred for that. And um, and all of the dogs, of course, in the different groups will share a number of characteristics. Um, because of what they're bred for. Um, now with hounds, the next group, they were bred for hunting other game besides birds. Um, there are two. There are two kind of subtypes of hounds. Even though they'll show in the same group, um, the two subtypes include the sight hounds, such as um, greyhounds or whippets or Afghan hounds, and then there are also the scent hounds, which um, you know include beagles and basset hounds. Um, are some of the some of the ones that uh, that are best known for that. So it's it's very interesting how in this one group, although they they share some characteristics, you have dogs as diverse as a basset hound and a greyhound in that same group. Um, one one thing that I like about the the hounds is um, a lot a lot of them their name and their name ends in hound. So that's one where it's kind of easy to point out the ones that are in that group. The next one is the working dogs. 
they were bred to do a variety of things, but um, but basically what groups them together is that they were, for the most part, bred to work doing something um, for humans. The, those things they could have been bred for were um, pull, maybe pulling carts. A lot of the dogs that you would think of as guard dogs are in this group, um, such such as, for example, um, you know, Akita's. Boxers, Dobermans, and Saint Bernards are in this are in this group. All dogs that were bred to do a variety of jobs um, for you know bas- basically for mostly for people. Um, Saint Bernard would be more of a, a search and rescue and and give the found person some brandy type of job. And next are your terriers. That group is um, is again there are there are. Um, some similarities and some different some differences. Terriers were basically um, bred to go to go after vermin. Um, terrier the the word terrier comes from earth. They were you know they were bred to you know go after vermin that you know lived in the earth. So a lot of them would do things like tunneling, and it's it's very it's very interesting to see um, a lot of the a lot of the things that are in the standards because of that. For example. A lot of the terriers traditionally had their tails cut very, very short, and the reason why was because that way the owner could go, you know, the terriers in a burrow, the owner could go and pull them out by the tail without hurting the tail. So it's uh, very interesting. Um, and a lot of them, you know, the vermin that they were going after weren't necessarily very nice, so they were bred to be very, very hardy and very, um, you know, very, very not well willful that they would just kind of keep going after this thing and not not scared very easily so um it's interesting to it's interesting to see how the the things that they were bred for the job that they were um bred to do how it translates into you know the personalities that a lot of these dogs show now um now the next group is the toy group um according to to the AKC these are dogs that were bred to be household companions um from you know from from observation real really it seems too that on um, the toy group it a lot a lot of what decides whether or not they're in the toy group is their size and a lot of these dogs were originally bred for other things actually um at one point but um but may have may have also been um you know companions as well or you know there are bigger versions of them in other groups such as uh, the toy poodle well, there's, you know, also, you know, there's a, a small poodle as well that's actually in the, the toy group. Next is the non-sporting breeds. Now, it's that's kind of a, a catch-all group that includes dogs that aren't in other groups. A lot of, a lot of these ones, they were bred for, um, for different things um, throughout, throughout time. Um, the poodle is in the non-sporting group. Uh, the poodle was actually was actually bred, I believe, as a, a hunting dog, and I know that they were definitely bred to go into water, which was part of why they, traditionally they have such funny cuts. Even though those cuts may look fancy to us, the the cuts were actually so that their hair wouldn't totally um, pull them down into the water, but would also cover their joints and the important parts of their body. So just interesting thing. The the Dalmatians were bred as um, at, they would they would go along with coaches 
um, way, way back when, um, when coaches were a common way that people would get around and travel. And their job was essentially to chase away strays and other types of animals from the coaches. So that would explain a little bit of why they have so much energy now, because goodness sake, not only do you have to run with a coach all day long every day, but you also have to, you know, keep other animals away. That would take quite a lot. Um, so, th- so there, there's a number of different things that these dogs were originally bred for. And, um, now a lot are just, uh, companion dogs as, as, as a matter of fact, you know, a lot of the dogs in the different groups, regardless of what they were originally bred for are companion dogs nowadays. Um, and then the, the last group is the herding group. Um, and these are the ones that were bred to help, you know, shepherds herd their, herd their livestock or, you know, ranchers or farmers herd livestock. Um, and of course, you know, some examples of those would be, um, collies, ones that um that people know and um dogs that you know are actually called um you know sheep dogs or shepherds so those are those are the seven groups and what what happens in the show that you see on tv at the national um by the time you actually see it a number of things have already gone on um first first of all when when this competition starts it starts with each breed having its own competition and then basically the, the best, the, the dog that's been judged to be the very best example of that breed has already been selected. And then that dog is the dog that you see going into the group competition. Um, you know, the, what, the groups that we just went over, you know, the sporting, the hounds, so on and so forth. You'll see a group of sporting dogs all come out and they've taken the best of the breed for each of the sporting dogs. And then they'll come out and then the judge will pick the best of the sporting dogs. Once they've done that for each of the groups, then they go on and they pick the best in show, which is the dog, you know, the dog that they've decided is the best example of its breed for, you know, the, for every single dog there, um, for the entire show. So that's a very, very prestigious award, um, that's, that's given to the dogs. Now, as I, as I mentioned before, this is, um, you know, the national competition dogs have to meet certain requirements in order to be invited to it. The way that these dogs do that is um, there are local clubs um, basically all over the place that have that have shows. And at these shows, um, dogs go and compete and they actually um, they get points. Now, you, you have probably heard about dogs being, you know, champion show dogs, so on and so forth. Um, a dog does not become a champion show dog by winning um, a certain um, a certain particular show. The way a dog becomes a champion is depending on how well it does in a particular show, they get a certain number of points. And then um, if the dog accumulates a certain number of points from a certain number of judges, and sometimes they need to get um, certain point, a certain number of points on, on different days. Basically, it's, it's called getting a major where they win three or more points at one time. And they put all that together, and when the dogs met all that those requirements, the dog is considered a champion. Um, and that's you know they they have to be in multiple shows before they can they can get to be a champion, regardless of if they you know win each show they're in or not. So um so that's that's just something that's kind of interesting to note about champions. And just because a dog is is called a champion doesn't necessarily mean that they will be at um this particular championship. They just need to um. You know they need they need to meet certain requirements and then um, well also their their handlers need to you know be able to take them to the show. 
So um, that's basically the rundown of what's going to go on at this show. As I mentioned before, um, with the with the local clubs that have shows, most of the time, you know, anybody can go to those, and those are those are actually really really neat to go to see the different dogs there. That's a great place for getting to see some dogs up close and in person that you may not have seen um, in real life before. It's also a place where you can see some of the sometimes. In um, local shows, they will actually show dogs that are not technically recognized by the AKC, but they'll have special classes for them and um, let those be shown too. So you can see some some rarer breeds. That's kind of nice, and you can see some really beautiful dogs. And um, and it's also a place where you know if you are interested in getting into showing dogs, um, or if you are you know particularly interested in getting a purebred puppy, um, this is you know the place that. We, you know, would recommend that you go to meet people, um, to, you know, who are very, very knowledgeable about these breeds and may be able to, you know, help guide you on that journey so that you can get a really, really great, um, you know, purebred dog if that's what you want. Because um, most, most reputable breeders show their dogs in confirmation. Um, the confirmation prospects are picked as very, very young puppies and they become show quality dogs. Um, and then normally in the, the same letter, there will be some puppies that are not confirmation prospects and are known as pet quality. Um, and as I, as I mentioned before, a lot of the, uh, the dogs that are not confirmation prospects, it'll be because they have, they have a fault. And it could literally be that they have a brown spot on their side where it's not supposed to be or something else that, you know, means nothing so far <laughs> as, you know, the, their ability to be a wonderful, wonderful pet. Or, you know, and also, you know, may may mean nothing bad for their ability to, you know, to do other dog sports such as, you know, obedience or agility or, you know, depending on the type of dog, maybe, you know, if it is a terrier doing earth dog trials or that kind of thing. But um, that just keeps it out of confirmation. And so that's that's a great way to get a dog that um, that has been that has gone through all of the tests that are necessary that a you know that the breeder knows the breed inside and out so they do all of the things that need to be done to you know make sure that they breed the the highest quality um dogs with the least number of problems as um as part of their breeding programs in in most cases so um so any so anyway that's basically what you know what kind some some of the kinds of things that go on with this kind of a competition and some of the things that you have to look forward to this weekend if you are going to be watching the dog show as you know as I will be definitely and and my dogs will probably be accompanying me for that because um even though even though as you all know for the actual dogs I have as pets um, for me, it's, you know, the personality of the dog, regardless of if it's a, a purebred or a mixed breed or whatever. And, and my two dogs are mixed breeds, but, you know, but I still like watching the shows and seeing, you know, all of the different types of dogs. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. And I normally learn something new every time. And now let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. As a bloodhound, I have a pretty good sense of smell. Right now, I can smell a seven-ounce filet with hollandaise sauce about four miles from here. Mmm, I love filet. I think I'll go see if they have any left over. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. We really appreciate that. 
And now we have our listener pictures section. And we have a new picture of Pepper that was sent in from Shayna. And this is a picture of Pepper playing in the snow. And she looks really cute. She's got her little sweater on in that picture. And you can see that picture in the Enhanced Podcast on Color iPods and in iTunes or in the Canine Cast Listener's Picture Gallery at caninecast.com. And it's linked in the show notes as well. And if you would like to send in your picture of your dog, please do so by sending an email to caninecast at gmail.com. And of course, we have all the contact information at the end of the show as usual. But I just wanted to let everyone know that we really, really enjoy getting all these pictures in, and we really like hearing from you guys. So keep them coming. Yes, yes. We, we love getting the, them and smiling at all of the cute pictures of everybody's dogs, um, as well as getting all of the stories and questions that come in from you, our listeners. Um, we love having those on the show and getting to interact with you like that. Um, as well as also the comments on our website. We've, we've seen a number of those lately. So all of that is absolutely wonderful. You know, please continue to send them in. As Walter said, the information for that will be available for you at the end of the show. So um, thanks once again for joining us tonight. And until next time, if you haven't already, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please send an email to caninecast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS. And you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.